0: It became pretty apparent pretty soon, early in lockdown, that it was important for centers like ours to state the social justice mission um, of the moment. So by naming responders, we were wanting not just to enable students to respond to the current moment, but to actually create new partnerships and collaborations that were kind of essential to what was going on right now.
1: Aaron Fay is the Assistant Director for Public Humanities at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Center for the Humanities. When the pandemic began, Aaron had to reimagine his center's core programs, which were often hands-on community partnerships. I'm Sarah Geyer, President of CHCI. Welcome to Voices, a podcast series showcasing what humanities centers and institutes are doing right now. Each episode of Voices, Highlights both new interventions and established practices in the humanities. I hope that the series might help scholars, centers, and institutes think about their work during the pandemic and beyond. In this episode, we'll hear how Aaron and the UW Center for the Humanities developed Humanities Responders, a program rooted in long-standing public humanities programs, but reimagined for digital and distanced engagement. He spoke with our producer, Craig Ely, about the project.
0: I'm Aaron Fay, and I'm the assistant director of public humanities at the UW-Madison Center for the Humanities.
2: So, Aaron, can you tell me a little bit about how this project began, whether or not it began from scratch, or did it arise out of other programming that you were already doing?
0: Yeah. So. For a number of years, about 15 years, we've been running a program called the Humanities Exchange, or HECS, um, in which students initiate community-engaged projects in the humanities. But early in the pandemic, it became very clear. These are usually very on-the-ground projects. So early on, we knew, okay, we're going to have to think about this differently. And can we accomplish the same outcomes that we normally seek, like genuine community engagement through remote virtual projects. And on top of that, this summer, or early in the summer, we were experiencing lots of social unrest and the protests. And we wanted to highlight the social justice and equity focus of the program for the moment. So we renamed it um, Humanities Responders, thinking of, of course, first responders and how we wanted our program to respond to invisible crises that were happening in small pockets of the community, whether that be child care providers or Latinx migrant workers, and have students, you know, respond to community needs directly through calls for applications or to come up with their own ideas based on their networks um, and their their own community interests. I'm wondering
2: too if running the call and the process itself looked different this spring and summer than it has for other times that you've run this
0: program? So there were some distinct changes we made with this program, namely in terms of access and reducing barriers for participation. Um, For the student end of things, we got rid of deadlines. Why? Because community needs don't really revolve around the semester schedule and definitely pandemics don't revolve around the semester schedule. And so normally in previous years, we've had one or two deadlines per semester. But in this case, we wanted to be open to all viable projects and we wanted to fund any viable project that that came our way. And that helped enormously with student participation. And another sort of access issue we dealt with was um, In a lot of cities where there's a big university, where the community partners feel like they can't access the university or, you know, it's confusing how to get a project started with the university. And so I wanted to be a very clear entryway for community partners to contact me directly, put together a position description, put it out there, um, use all of our networks to try to find the right student and really reduce that laborious process of like going to this office and that office and writing to this person and that person um and then the other sort of access issue is simply like what an application looks like does it have to be this 10 page long like memorandum of why i deserve to be the one to receive this grant or could it be a conversation could it be a voicemail could it be um like a a video message um could we reduce the paperwork so that students could get started as soon as possible?
2: So, what kind of responses did you see to your call when you put it out?
0: It was a pretty big response right away. We typically host 5 to 10 graduate projects per year, and so far it's only been the summer and the fall, and we've had about 25 projects that we're running concurrently. from. A lot of different disciplines, too. So not just humanities, but a lot of social science, a lot of science, people who are using humanities skills in, in ways that I haven't seen before. And also, I think, you know, with all the events of the summer, I think people recognize like equity projects and social justice projects are more needed than ever. Um, and I think people are more willing to take action this year, even if they weren't exactly sure where to start. Um, so that, that was, that was really great to see too.
2: You mentioned seeing humanities, the humanities being used in ways you haven't seen before. Can you give us an example or two?
0: Yeah. So, um, the first project that wrapped for us was called Gender Talks, um, Mm -hmm. run by a student, Orion Risk. So I'm Orion Risk. I'm a grad student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison studying
3: interdisciplinary theater studies. So my project uh, was called Gender Talks, and that was a documentary theater process um, that I put together in partnership with a theater organization. Just kind of recording trans people's experiences of gender during COVID-19 and then making a play out of that. So before I saw the call for Humanities Responders, I had done a project that was bringing people together online for conversations about gender it was a one night only thing. I had a collaborator. It was part of a class. And then when I saw the, the call for humanities responders, I filled out the application in one night and I contacted Aaron and he got back with thoughts really quickly. And he said, okay, can you make this bigger? Can we take it further? And that's the point at which I was like, sure, let's make it a documentary theater process. Let's do the conversations, but let's add the theatrical element. So some of the things that came up in conversation, um, one person in gender talks, was an undergraduate student who was just at home because of COVID.
2: I'm living with my family right now, and I only like recently came out to them as genderqueer and I is this TikTok I saw recently. And it's like, oh, I'm going downstairs to get misgendered. And that resonated with me so hard because I just feel like coming out to my family was harder because now there's this expectation that they should know. Or They should respect me or love me in this way of like acknowledging who i am and they just fail
3: constantly the trans community i think is the really powerful way of thinking about what unites people but there's of course a lot of diversity inside that experience um and one of the folks who talks in gender talks shears about their experience of you know being an activist (laughs) and being out protesting and and also walking through grocery store aisles, pulling up their arms to themselves <laughs> and, and trying to bridge that challenge. Um, so everything that it, you know, all the pieces of being a person who is trans intersect with the pieces of being a person in this
0: moment. So I, honestly, I never really expect student or any public humanities projects that's that's art focused to actually be good art. but in this case, it was it was amazing. I was very moved. Um, and I think it was a great project for the trans community and for humanities in general, but also just as a piece of art was was incredible.
2: It's interesting. I'm wondering if you could reflect on. Basically, everyone is trying to create co-equal partnerships, right? We want the students to get something out of it. We want the organizations to get something out of it. Can you just reflect a little bit more on how you help facilitate those kinds of connections that I think so many projects are looking to develop?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my I think I encourage students to be good listeners and... My facilitation is a lot about just trying to listen to both sides and seeing what the needs are. And sometimes that takes months. And often, you know, in a year, we'll get one or two students who, quote unquote, fail and their project never materializes. But I don't think there's ever been a case where I actually consider that project a fail because the student takes away so much from that quote unquote failure, they've learned so many project management skills, networking skills, um, how to persevere in the never ending email chain or, or, you know, phone calls that never get picked up. Um, They like are building that resilience that, you know, we're all seeking right now. Um, A big piece of advice I would give other centers is to maintain relationships with students who they might not have the perfect project idea now, or, you know, they might be very early in their public humanities journey or community engagement journey or consciousness. But um, sometimes those those are the students that really flower in like a year or two or three and bring you an amazing project or idea that you really want to fund. There was one student, Stephen Wang, who I think I spoke to him two or three years ago when I first arrived on campus. And... He's ended up doing one of the best projects, a uh, queer coalition he formed um, called Queer We Are, Together We Heal.
4: So my name is Stephen Wang and I'm a PhD candidate at the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And the project I do with the Public Humanities Center through the Humanities Responders Program is a campaign that I do together with several local LGBTQ organizations to address the health equity issues during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Here in Madison, uh, we have a really vibrant queer community, but the problem is that this community is really fragmented and sometimes a little bit segmented along lines of you know, race, ethnicity, citizenship, or gender and class and age. So the original idea is really to establish this uh, communication platform where like you know different sections of the LGBTQ community can talk to each other and can foster collaboration work and can find a way to address common challenges the community is facing. I think personally one important thing is the Aaron particularly as a person, or like the project as a framework, help me to articulate what kind of specialities and what kind of skill set I'm bringing to the community. Because that's not something academics usually think. We usually think about, you know, oh, I'm an expert on this field. I know how to use this method. But it's not like, you know, how community organizing happens. like. Aaron helped me to understand, you know, those skills like active listening, like you know, to really understanding the like lowercase p political dynamic around people, and how to uh, moderate uh, these kind of relationships. Those kind of particular skill sets, I have those skill sets, but I don't, I didn't know how to articulate those yet. And I didn't know how those skill sets connect to community work. So that's one thing. Uh, The public humanities framework helped me and help the develop of the project. They, They are really trying to acknowledge that the community should be the center of knowledge production. The community has the expertise about their life already. And my role is more like a bridge between university sources, these institutional sources and community needs.
0: You know, through Stephen's work, created this lasting, hopefully, coalition that will continue to to collaborate with each other and thrive. And you know, Stephen, I I, I think we talked about three or four different projects over the years that never came to fruition. But now is sort of his time, and he just won twenty twenty Advocate of the Year from from Outreach, one of the one of the queer orgs in town. So so very proud of his work.
2: From this experience. How do you think it'll change how you run this program going forward, if at all? You know, do you see sort of a return to the 10-page application that is then vetted by a committee that is then blah, blah, blah? Or do you see this as the way forward?
0: Definitely, this is the f- way forward for us. Um, I, I really feel good about the path we're on, which is I think all of our projects now are revolve around some kind of... Very hard-won collaboration, or like mutual exchange between a student and and a community partner. And that's the primary thing that we really that that I value in in these programs. But I think we are definitely married to generating public humanities through student ideas and through community partner ideas. and And, yeah, I'm very proud of that.
1: thanks for listening. This is a production of the Consortium of Humanity Centers and Institutes, with special thanks to Aaron Fay, Orion Risk, and Stephen Wong. The music in the show comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Craig Ely is our producer, and I'm your host, Sarah Geyer.